Okay, so in Luke 17, we're going to look at verse 22, and I'm going to read down through about verse um, 35, and this is seeing the signs and being prepared. Now, I tell you, I would love to be able to stand up here and preach to you guys unicorns and rainbows all the time as some of these churches like to do and preach feel-good gospels that tells you you're a great person and everybody's going to heaven and things is going to be okay and we only speak on the grace message of the gospel. The grace message of the gospel is a great message, but it's only half of the message. The reason why there is grace is because there is consequence. So if we only preach half the message, people don't understand why they need grace. Jesus, is a, it is a biblical fact that Jesus preached more on hell than he did heaven. And his messages was not rainbows and unicorns all the time, okay? There is a time and a place for that. And some churches get lost in only preaching these grace-filled messages, which is, which is good because we do need grace, okay, and the love of God. And that is the dispensation in which we're living in. But if you don't understand why you need a Savior, then you'll never understand grace at all because you've got to come to an understanding of who you are in the eyes of God. Not everybody's going to heaven, okay, and the reason for that is because some people take advantage or take for, I should say, take for granted the grace of God because they do not know the consequence that lies ahead of them. You have to preach hell and it on fire and people going there. Okay? You've got to couple the two together for people to understand. In this particular passage in the in the book of Luke Jesus is speaking to the end days people which is us I think you would have to be totally blind and ignorant if you the average person can't see the fact that something terrible is at our doorsteps would you agree with that and that safety is a, is a concern physically for you anytime you go outside your door. And that the abnormal has become the normal. Now, when you have a society that is like that, just as the Bible says, perilous times are coming. And what is, what is perilous about it is not only the physical fact of what can happen to you, but also the fact that spiritually you can become accepting of what's going on living in and amongst this kind of stuff. That can become normal behavior to you. All right. That's going to go with part of this message when we start looking at Lot here in just a little bit. The man Lot, Abraham's family where you can become desensitized to sin and wrongdoing and wrong living and things that people do. And it's very important that you, you stay the course and keep your mind pure 
as we talked on Wednesday night in the purity of the gospel, if you start accepting this world's doctrines, okay, that is homosexuality, lesbianism, abortion. I mean, come on. You're not for killing criminals, but you're for killing babies? That makes no sense. And when society starts turning to destroying innocent blood to where now they're wanting to be able there there is there is there is bills in the work right now in the works right now that a woman can kill her child after it's born. When this kind of behavior starts becoming the normal and Christian people are not raising up to say anything about it, we've got a huge problem. Okay? So the grace message ain't working all the time. People, especially the young generation, do not understand the consequence of this kind of behavior and for believing in this kind of way. They're being taught there is no God. I tell you the truth. I worry, am concerned, I should say, beyond belief for my grandchildren, for my children, and the mindset that they are growing up in and the very fact that these are the very people that will be leading our country with that mindset very soon. And they're already of voting age and they're trying to tip the scales towards this way or belief. People say, well, don't preach a, a sermon that's got you know, government mixed in it and politics mixed in it. Well, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, the division of church and state, as I have recently learned, was something that Thomas Jefferson wrote in a personal letter. It wasn't even anything that was brought into Congress. It was a personal letter that he had wrote to uh, an associate of his that some lawyer got a hold of and said that, listen, we have to divide church and state. Well, the division that the church has always been a part of government. Matter of fact, the, the Capitol building was this country's first church. It was used as a church. The division of church and state was to keep, not to keep the church out of the government, but to keep the government from running the church. Because that's what this country, that's what they fled England for, is to, from a tyrant who was running the, the country through the church, the Catholic church. So this is what we were established on, okay? It's very important that we understand. I recently learned not long ago that, you know, it was, uh, you know, watching these videos, what, you know, uh, and there, there are, there, there, the leadership in a lot of the colonial armies was the pastors of the churches, who formed different regiments that fought England because there was a time for war. So it begins in the church in the establishment of what's right and what's wrong. It's a very interesting concept. But going away from that for a minute, I want to, to, to show you something that Jesus himself said. And I want to pick it clean for you. 
so that you can understand what he was saying 2,000 years ago. And he was referencing us. All right. And this is the message that we need to be preaching. The same one that our Lord preached. And just because men change the gospel to fit what they think is correct doesn't mean they're preaching the right gospel. This is what the Lord said. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. He says, do not go running after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning. This is talking about our day. He said, which flashes and the light and it lights up the sky from one end to the other. Okay, do you notice the quickness of that? The other day I was driving home and I looked to my left and I seen lightning flash across the sky and it was just and gone. Jesus was saying like lightning flashing across the sky This is how quickly things are going to change very abruptly when I come to get my people. This is how fast it's going to happen. He gives us all the signs to look for before that very quick and unexpected event takes place. But he said, listen. Don't go running after people if they say I'm here or I'm there or they claim to be me or they claim to be some prophet. He goes, when I come, bam, it's, it's, it's here and done. Okay, and you're going to know it. And this is what he says. But first he, Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So he goes back to the present moment. And he, he's telling them about a future thing. But then he goes back to the present moment. But I got to first complete what I got to do here on earth. Okay. And then he says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Okay. That's a statement. Now, notice there is, unless you've got a proper, properly written scripture, there is no semicolon or no colon saying this is what I'm talking about. That was a statement. He says, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. So the question becomes, well, then what was the days of Noah? And are we living in days that are similar to the days of Noah? Are we living in the days like what Noah lived in? Okay, then he goes on to say, and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. In other words, people were paying no attention that you were going to church and what your pastor had to say or what the Holy Spirit was saying through the pastors, through the true preachers of the word of God. People didn't care. People were living their lives. People was doing their thing. Up until the very day that Noah entered into the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all, it says. It was the same in the days of Lot. Okay, 
People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So why? The the question has to be, is why did God destroy Noah, Noah's generation? And why did God destroy Lot's generation? Both of these people that Jesus is referencing is a people who God destroyed their generation or or their immediate surroundings. Okay? The point being that both of these people were living in the midst of something that was destroyed because of its evil and wickedness. Okay? That's the point here. So then, what was the differences between the two? Okay? We're going to take a look at that because we live in similar days. One of the identifiable traits or one of the identifiable things that's going to go on in our society that's going to be very similar to both of those societies will be happening in the day when Jesus comes. Okay, so we're going to look at that. Then it says here. It will be just like this on the day the son of man is revealed that day when he says lightning flashes across the sky. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to try to get them. And likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Now that's an important statement that Luke makes here. What's to remember about Lot's wife? Hmm. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on the night on that night, two people will be in uh, the bed, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, the vultures will gather. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you give us the unction of the Holy Spirit. That we prepare our hearts for this great day of the Lord. Terrible day for those that don't know you. Great day for those who are alive and remain. For we will be caught up in the air after the dead has been risen. And together we will be with you in the clouds in the air forever to be with the Lord. Oh, amen to that, Jesus. Now give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding as we walk through the word together. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Right before your very eyes, you're seeing a revolution of evil. Unlike any other time in American history, your country is being invaded by a spiritual force that no one knows how to react to. This isn't necessarily a foreign army dressed up in their foreign attire, uh, bearing arms, helmets, bombs, and, and, and identifiable that they are foreigners coming into our country trying to take us over. It is a takeover that is coming from within by America's own people who 
have lost the very principles of freedom and would like to turn our country into that of China or Russia, which will end up with a dictator which is coming, and his name is the Antichrist, who will voluntarily vote a person in to change their country from the freedoms that they have had to this that's coming. As if life has been so bad and you have not prospered so much that you think this needs to be changed. Unbelievable that people would willfully vote to destroy their country. Where we can watch police officers be tossed into prison for lawfully using force while the criminal is not even charged. When we can watch with our own eyes mobs who are riotous, who are rioting, burn innocent people's belongings to the ground, shoot police officers, tear down federal monuments, and nothing be done about it. Folks, that is unbelievable that that is normal to you. That is absolutely unbelievable that anyone would vote for that. Do you see, I hope you see through this sermon today, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that the Holy Spirit will remove from your eyes and everyone who hears this message the evil blinders and veil that Satan himself has put upon the eyes of anyone who would vote for such a thing. America was founded on the greatness of God and under godly men and principles that was set forth through the Bible and we are willfully and wantonly tearing it down, voting for someone who will remove everything that made this country great. You would have to apologize to every person laying in Arlington Cemetery, to every one of your ancestors that fought in wars for this country, if at the click of a, of a vote, at the voting booth, if you voted Democratic, at the click of that, you owe every one of them an apology because you're voting for the enemy that they fought against. That is absolutely the truth. That is absolutely the truth. And I'm not afraid to say it. I don't care if you belong to a union. That's stupid. Your country is at, at, at stake. We are watching right before our very eyes a, an evil satanic movement that wants to collapse America. Does it surprise me? No. America is allied with Israel. And every one of these people that we want to ally ourselves with by voting ourselves into being a socialistic country hates Israel. Therefore, they are enemies of God. Russia, China are not allied with Israel. There are Muslim states that hate them. Or they are evil 
in their beliefs towards God. Mm. Goodness gracious, folks. America is stepping away from God as a whole. The church is failing to provide the, the adequate message. The church exists in America, but it has watered down the message and its preachers are afraid to preach because the preachers are afraid that they might lose part of their congregation if they preach the truth and therefore the preacher might not get paid. Or they, might not or they might lose their tithing. Or they might lose a little bit of whatever it is that they're doing. There are weakling preachers that need to be tossed out. And the truth needs to be preached from the, from the pulpit. The purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ must be preached. You weakling preachers, I wish I could put you in a headlock and drag you out myself. Preach the truth. It might cost you some persecution. It might cost you some people in your congregation that believe in, in the summer of love. Oh well. I call those blessed deductions. We are stepping back away from this. And this young generation that we're producing, not all, but the vast majority of this young generation that's coming up is a godless generation. Who, who has been taught through universities that America is a bad place and that we are a bad people. And it's much better to have socialism. Well, the issue is this. To those people that were in our families, our, our fathers and our grandfathers, who had to fight against socialism in Hitler's Reich, who had to go over and liberate the concentration camps, who smelled the corpses from miles away, my uncle said, who seen the results of socialism. Socialism and communism are virtually the same thing. And they always end up with a tyrant dictator who will destroy you and kill you. I was talking to a man just the other day at work, we were on Sweet Leaf. And this man, who was a German man, pulled up into his driveway, was an older man. And I began to talk to him and I said, hey, I noticed your accent. He goes, where do you think I'm from? I said, I said, you sound very German. He goes, yes, I am. He goes, my father was one of the scientists that America brought over from Germany. I said, let me shake your hand. I said, thank you. He was a dentist by trade. For 50 years here in Dayton. And his dad worked at Wright Pat. And if you, don't, if you know anything about your history, the scientist that was brought over from Germany won that war for us. If it wasn't for them, we would be speaking German. They came over here, and I said, That was very brave. He said, I cry every time. I see our flag being burned. He said, I cry every time that I see these young people rioting in the streets, praying for communism, praying for socialism. He said, my friend, I lived in it. He said, my daddy told me, he said, you go to school today. He goes, oftentimes, he said in his broken English, he said, oftentimes 
the, the, the Nazis would, would talk to the children. He goes, because children like to talk and they tell the truth. And they would ask about the parents. And he said, and all the parents who did not support Hitler was taken to Dachau. Well, just so happened to be that my uncle liberated that. And he said, I, I, he, he goes, we are on the same path as Germany. He goes, in Germany, before Hitler came, as, as, he goes, it started from World War I and, ended, and, and went into World War II. He said, but there was rioting in the streets and people were violent. People were beating children. People were killing each other. And he goes, a man came along named Adolf Hitler who preached, he preached law and order and was going to take things back and was, going to, and was going to do all these things if you put me in power and make me the dictator. And we would become a socialist society. Where everyone will benefit. He goes, we are taking the same steps that Germany took. He goes, I lived it. He goes, I know. He goes, I see it. He goes, I cry when I watch the news. I said, I'll tell that to my church. I plan on doing something special for that man for his bravery of his family. He said, I'm an American he said, no, I'm proud of it. He goes, my daddy said, when you go to school, you keep your eyes open and your ears open and your mouth shut. He said, you say nothing. He said, people were hauled off the Dachau and he said they were never seen again. The problem with this young generation is they are blind and ignorant and they do not know their history. And these people that walked across Germany, my ancestors and your ancestors, they are all but gone. And their story is lost. And American history is not being taught accurately. There was a Holocaust from a socialist dictator who's much like the one who's running for office right now. The same principles, folks. The same principles. My uncle said I could smell that place from miles away as I walked upon it. He said the Germans had pulled back. They knew we were coming. They knew we were going to win. He goes, there were his bodies stacked up as far as the eye could see like cords of wood. He goes, they were rotten and stinking and, and animals were eating on them and they were full of lice and bugs. And he goes, they were just exterminating people that didn't believe in their ideology. He goes, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. He goes, he goes, the people were trying to walk up to us to hug us, to thank the American GI. He goes, and when they got to us, some of them would just fall over, collapse and die. He goes, you could see their organs moving in their skin. He goes, we were told not to give them a bite to eat because they would fall over and die. People have forgotten People don't know. People are ignorant. People are stupid. You want that? Thomas Jefferson said the tree of liberty must be watered by the blood of every generation. The tree of liberty must be watered by the blood of every generation. That's what he said. Because there, in every generation, there's going to try to come a change or an attack upon the liberties in which we were founded on. Evil days are coming. Evil days are coming. 
They are here and you are watching it unfold. You are in the middle of a fall. You are in the middle of a coup. You're in the middle of a revolution that's taking place and you don't even care. No, we want to hear our fuzzy, warm gospel every day. Where church growth around this area, I was just talking to another pastor, you know, churches grow exponentially only because one church closes and those people go to that guy's church. It's not that the lost are coming. It's just people are migrating. I'm going to tell you this before we get into this. If there's anything in your life that you haven't dealt with, deal with it. Because you're about to hear the shout of the Lord. If there is aught in your heart, get it out. If there's sin in your life that you've not dealt with it, deal with it. Because the day of the Lord is at hand. America's fall is at hand. You can believe what I'm saying or not, but it is here and it's at the door. So what was the days of Noah like? First, let me read in 1 Thessalonians, it says in chapter 5, it says, Now brothers... This is the Apostle Paul checking, talking to the people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. And it says this. Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He is quoting, he is, he is talking about what Jesus himself said right here in Luke 17. He said, like the lightning flashes from the east to the west. Paul refers to it like a thief in the night. He's going to come unexpectedly. Lightning. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. It's there and it's gone. Right? While people are saying, listen to this. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. As he says, Labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Peace and safety will be the message being preached. The summer of love. What a fool makes a statement like that until they came to her house. Peace and safety. Everything's going to be okay. And then sudden destruction comes. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. To the world, this day will come like a thief. Why? Because they're marrying, giving in marriage, doing their thing, floating around life, working, paying DPNL, paying Vectran, doing these things, paying the cable bill, just going to work every day, the same old dress, that they're not thinking at all. The world is not thinking at all about the times in which we're living, the spiritual times in which we're living. Just like in the days of Noah, we're going to get to that. They're not paying attention. They think you're crazy because they don't have, they don't have the tuner. 
capability that we have to tune into God. There's a frequency that's given to us that is not given to the world. And you can tune into it and you can hear God's voice. You can because you're saved. But the world don't have access to it. They don't hear the message. It just goes right on by them. And they think you're crazy for what you hear and what you know in your heart. He says, you are the sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. In other words, they're in darkness. People who get drunk are in darkness. Those people that are asleep, in other words, they're not coherent to what's going on. They're in darkness. But since we belong to the day when people are up, when there's light and we can see, okay? Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying is God did not suffer. He did not. He did not uh, suffer us to experience wrath. We're not supposed to be like the people of the night who this comes suddenly and then all of a sudden they're left behind only to experience the, 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 the leadership of the devil himself. But take a look around you, even in this little church, there could be people that won't make it. Who will come to church on a Wednesday night or a Sunday only to find it empty or gone and maybe only a couple people left. Where's Pastor Jay at? Has anybody checked his home? He's missing. He's gone. Where's everybody else at? They're gone. Oh my God, you've been left behind. Do you know that is a reality? Now you'll get to experience the fullness of of what you chose to believe. And God will spare not the rod when he comes to visit the iniquity of man upon humanity. He will spare not his wrath, but to the fullest man will experience what God will pour out upon them for rejecting the message and Jesus Christ himself. You wanted a devil? You voted for him? God's going to give him to you. And you're going to enjoy the evil that will, that will trash your life. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, either alive or dead, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up with this. So the days of Noah, Genesis chapter six. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth 
and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the, the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. This is the beginning of the Nephilim. This is when angels, corrupt angels came down, had sex with women and begat this giant race. That's a whole other sermon that we've already preached. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. This was in the days of Noah. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown, the Nephilim. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So this generation that's going to be like it was in the days of Noah would produce a people who's, and who would have an intermingling with fallen angels. Let me tell you something. We have that intermingling right now. It is a spiritual intermingling where people follow the doctrines of demons. That's what the Bible says. That's what the scripture tells us that in the end times, people will not follow sound doctrine, but they will follow doctrines of demons. What is a demon? A demon is a fallen angel. In other words, your love and affection, just like the men of old, just like the women of old, who intermingled with the angels of, uh, uh, back then, gave birth to this evil thing called the Nephilim, so likewise the people of our generation will follow and intermingle with the leadership of demonic forces and give birth to an evil like has never been known before, a spiritual evil in which man will, will by their own lust of their own heart, follow. And the Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth, and He was grieved in His heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And it says here, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So in the days of Noah, we have a people who have begotten children with fallen angels. Men had begun to intermingle with them. The intent of their thoughts of their heart was continually evil. That's two. We have right here that uh, they were they were full. The land was full of violence. That's three. This describes us to a T. Men's hearts are full of uh, and the intent to do evil. There was a study not long ago 
in, in, I forget where I read this. It was in some kind of psychological or psychology article that I had read. And it was, it was a poll that was done and, and people were, were interviewed about their thought life. And, and I forget now it said that a man has these uh, very sexually illicit uh, thoughts like every 20 seconds. I'm throwing this out there. This might not be accurate, but they think on evil every so many minutes. There's so many, I mean, so many minutes, somebody thinks about this. So many seconds, somebody thinks about this. And it was a, a continual evil thought process. The land is full of violence. Our land is a violent place where people feel like they need to arm themselves to go out into the general public. Where people no longer feel safe. They see suspect kind of people walking around all the time. I was at Kroger's just the other day. Somebody comes running in. Says, what do I do? Somebody's trying to stab someone. Call 911, she said. Somebody's with a knife in the parking lot trying to stab someone. Just right up here on Brant Pike. Where you go to the store, where I go to the store. I can't tell you right down here, and I'm, a, and I'm pointing in the direction of this store right here located right here on Valley, how much our police spends time there where crimes are committed all the time. Where you, walk into a, where you walk into a speedway and you find needles where people are in there shooting up. Where people are in there, you find the paraphernalia in the trash can. Or some people even laying on the floor. Can't tell you how many times that that's happened. All across this area, all across this land, people are violent. People are full of iniquity and sin. So what was the days of Lot like? So Lot chose for himself. There came a time when Abraham was, had departed from the land of Ur and he took his family with him and they, they were getting so great and so big that they had to split up because the land could not support this big horde of people and all the animals that they had with them. So Abraham looked at Lot and said, you choose which direction you want to go and I'll go the opposite. And Abraham looked down towards the plains uh, of of Sodom and Gomorrah and saw how beautiful that was and he said I'm going that direction even though Sodom was a place that we got the name sodomy the word sodomy from he didn't care about that he was only thinking about carnally this looks like a great place for me to go he didn't consult God he didn't ask what the will of, the, of God was for his life. He just went because he thought that looks like a great place. And he sacrificed everything to go and live there and live amongst these people. A war happened. If you read the story, you'll find that a war happened. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah went up against other kings and, and they were overtaken by the other kings and Lot was taken away into captivity and Abraham had to go save him. And then one day Abraham gets a visit. These angels came to Abraham's camp in Genesis chapter 18. The Lord was with them. And as they came into Abraham's camp, Abraham said, hey, please, he recognized who they were. 
He said, please, let me, let me feed you along your way and give you nourishment so that you will be okay. And, and they said, okay. And so they sat down and Abraham went in to his wife and said, listen, start kneading uh, dough and, and making bread. And then he went to one of his servants and he told him, said, listen, I want, you to, I want you to take the finest animal we got and slaughter it and kill it so we can make a meal for these, these holy men that are out here, these angels, the Lord that's within our camp. And they did, and they sat down and they had a meal. And this conversation took place after they got done eating. It says, and when the men got up, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, capital L, Jesus, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on the earth will be blessed through him. We know that because that's who Jesus Christ came through. That's who King David came through. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, and this is my extensive reading, so hang on. Then the Lord said, listen to this. The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? This is very key. Because God don't sweep away the righteous with the wicked. And God knew exactly what Abraham was going to do in this conversation. He was doing this for Abraham's sake and for our sake. What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. You see, God's not going to treat us like he will treat the wicked. That's why we ain't going to be here for the reign of the devil. Okay. The Lord said, if I find 50 people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Now I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing in dust but dust and ashes. What if the number of the righteous is less than 50? Will you destroy the city because of the, uh, the five people? He says, if I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if there are only 40 found there? And the Lord said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry with me, but let me speak. What, what if 30 can be found there? And he said, if I find 30, I'll not destroy it. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold to speak to the Lord, what if only 20? He said, for the sake of 20, I'll not destroy it. Please, Lord, don't be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if 10 can be found there? I'll not destroy it for the sake of 10. He couldn't find 10 people. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. 
No, wait, there was three, wasn't there? Hmm. The two angels, the Lord was not there, but he sent his angels. But the Lord wanted to have a talk with Abraham. You see, we're not to talk with angels and pray to them, right? Do you understand why that happened? The Lord spoke with Abraham, all right? To tell Abraham what he was going to do. And to have that relationship with Abraham like he has with us today. Listen to this. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down his face to the ground. My lords, he said, this is not a capital L. He said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your, on your way early in the morning. No, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But Lot insisted so strongly that they did not go with him and entered in his... Lot insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate unleavened bread. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Homosexuals. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends. In the King James, he says, Brethren, are you kidding me? Are you so, have you become so degenerate that you would call them friends and brothers? That you have lived there so long that you've accepted what they do and you found it so non-offensive that you just go ahead and reside there anyway. Wow. Your carnal ways, your, your livelihood was more to you than your spiritual well-being. Don't do this wicked thing, he said. And then listen to what Lot does. Lot turns to the homosexuals and says this. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do whatever you like with them. What? What? You would take your own kids and throw them out to this mob so that this mob could rape them? Are you kidding me? But don't do anything to these men for they have come under my roof of protection. Well, what about your kids? Get out of our way, they replied, and they said, This fellow came here as an alien. Now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. The men are angels. You never find female angels in the scripture. That's a falsehood. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here. 
because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Hello, America. Hello, America. Hello, world. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. He said, hurry and get out of this place. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming dawn, the angels urged Lot saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Here is the righteous saying that if you don't get it right and repent, go the other direction, you're going to be swept away. I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down, as this young generation says. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city. He was hesitating. For the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servants has found favor in your eyes. You have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I will die. Look. Here is a town near enough to run to and it's small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my wife will be spared. My life will be spared. He said to them, very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That angel could not destroy the town until the righteous was removed. God will not bring destruction until the church is removed. But by the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah. From the Lord out of the heavens it came. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. She left Sodom, but Sodom never left her and she perished. Today, archaeologists has found a place, and I have watched and looked at the video of it, where they have found balls of sulfur that big around and some boulders of sulfur that big around that are still laying in the plain to where Sodom and Gomorrah existed. And the earth had, was on severe, was in severe fire. Brothers and sisters, the time has come to be ready. The Lord is coming. It's time to stop playing games. It's time to prepare your hearts to ask for forgiveness, to be saved if you're not saved, to repent if you've not repented, to turn away from the world and its evil and this leadership and this terrible blindness, 
Take the blinders from your eyes. Ask God to remove them from you so that you can see and know and feel and hear from the Lord what is going on. We are about to leave this place. Don't be left behind. Don't be left behind. 